Hello there, it is Shane Ray, and I am the host of Central Indiana Today. And our guest this month is going to be, well, we have someone from the Carmel Symphony Orchestra, as well as someone from the Hendricks County Community Foundation, and they both have interesting things to bring you up to speed on, all right? So you stay right where you are, and we'll get started on 98.9 FM and WYRZ.org's Central Indiana Today. Central Indiana Today. Shane Ray talks with the newsmakers in and around Hendricks County. And now your host, Shane Ray. As I promised, she is here with me on the phone, Jenna Himes with the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. She is uh, actually artistic director. She's been with us before, but we're going to get a little refresher with her. First off, how's Jenna today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, glad to have you. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us about the uh, Carmel Symphony Orchestra and more specifically what's coming up. But right now, uh, like I said, you've been with us before, but we want to remind everyone uh, a little bit about the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. Give uh, Give us, as they say, your elevator speech. Okay. So we are an orchestra situated in Carmel, and we play the majority of our concerts um, from like October to April in the Palladium, the beautiful Center for Performing Arts. We're a professional orchestra, and um, this year we've actually um, been adding some outdoor concerts. Um, I think a lot of it is, is from this past year we learned um, that those are quite successful, and it's a really nice offering if we can have, you know, we always play Carmel Fest on July 4th, but if we can play you know, maybe around town, different places and different parks and stuff. It's really fun and people seem to come out that we wouldn't maybe see in the Palladium. And maybe, just maybe, they'll say, wow, we really love this and we'll start to come to the Palladium. So it's about fundraising and just just meeting as many people as possible. So we play all year round and um, we're we're really a great orchestra. And I think we're kind of a little secret. And uh, what we're trying to do is get people to give us you know, the opportunity to play for them, and they are usually not disappointed. So it's really an exciting time right now for us. Yeah, uh, I can understand that. I think you're right. You are kind of the best-kept secret in Carmel, uh, the orchestra is. And so um, the last time we talked, we were talking about the effects that uh, COVID-19 had on the orchestra, and you were talking about doing so much uh, streaming. Is that still going on, or did you finally, were you able to back away from that? Yeah, we're backing away from that now. We we did a lot of streaming. We, we did live concerts um, all throughout COVID because we were uh, we have a huge stage, so we were able to socially distance and be safe and, and follow the guidelines, and it was very successful. But we could only have an audience of about two two hundred fifty three hundred people, so that really limited us. Um, but you know, it's funny with orchestra. Um, I guess the, the the one thing I would say in an elevator speech is that a lot of people listen to music that is orchestra and they don't really realize it and they but they love the music mm-hmm. for example if you you know listen to the beatles a lot of that was the london uh, philharmonic uh, london symphony playing behind them <laughs> or if you listen to um a lot of film music you know it's usually orchestra and so people really i think they they have it in their heads that it's something that's not for them that it's a little hoity-toity and, and it just isn't you know we make it very very um intimate but fun you know like like i'll talk on stage and i'll tell little tidbits about the pieces we 
we make it very welcoming and comfortable, even for a novice. You don't have to know about it. And um, I, I, I think that we play such a variety of music that we really are an orchestra for everybody. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, and, you know, that's funny you mentioned that. Of course, we are we play a lot of Beatles music. We even have the Beatles show, which airs on Sundays at noon here on WYRZ. And it's funny, those... Um, <coughs> there's an edit for you. <coughs> Man, I can't get this <coughs> out of my throat. Okay, let me try that again. Uh, it's funny that you mention uh, the Beatles because we do play uh, the Beatles show, lots of Beatles music. We have the Beatles show, which airs on Sundays here at noon on WYRZ. And over time, a lot of those people who had played solos during their songs have have become famous themselves, like um, the person who played the piccolo or something like that in Penny Lane or um, uh, played violin for in one of Ringo's songs or something. That They're the ones who are getting interviewed now and saying, what was it like to do that? And uh, even their musical technique and things like that. So, uh, Yeah, it's, it's it, very it, interesting. It's, I, I hear you. And, you know, when you think about so many musicians, who what they can do on, on you know, uh, YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, and then they just get picked up because they're extraordinary musicians, and then they become famous in their own right. You know, there are so many amazing musicians, all kinds of musicians around the world that are just so extraordinary and so different and so remarkable. And I, th- that's why it's, it's such a great uh, career to be in, because you meet, you know, I've just been on the road for two weeks doing different things, and I got to meet so many different people, and I, I just, I really love that. I, I think that, you know, from all walks of life, all different types of people, so it's never boring. It's never the same old. You know, it's just, it's the music that you're working on is going to be different from the music you're doing the next week. And that's a, a, a you know, something that's very, I think, unique to this job and also so enticing because you, you're really never bored. And you're never thinking, oh, I can't, I just, I want to retire. I don't want to do this. It's, not, it's just hmm. not like that. Yeah. It's always enjoyable. It's hard work. You know, to be a great musician, it's hard work. And the, the best ones make it look easy. Um, but a lot of work goes into it. You know, there, of course, there are natural musicians who are, can, can play. Um, just they have this uh, raw talent. But, you know, just to do the marketing and all that stuff that's non-musical takes a lot of time. But even the musical part, they, they, they still have to, you know, always, if they're going to stay on top, they have to just keep creating, whether they're, they're writing their own tunes or they're playing or whatever. They just have to keep it up at that level because that's what their audience expects. So it's just... It's a it's a demanding job, and it's because it's not a nine to five. You find yourself working on evenings and weekends and holidays a lot, but but you know that shouldn't bother you because because you have a love for it. Right. And um, it's uh, I feel so lucky to be able to, and I and I really do do feel that way. There are days, sure, where it's harder than others, but I feel so fortunate to be in this career um, that is for me just so amazing. It's really really interesting, and I, you know I have to study a lot and. Because I'm an artistic director, I do a lot of programming, and I do a lot of um, kind of non-musical things, a lot of meetings, and just, just to sort of set the tone of where we're going in the future and things like that. But I enjoy that, um, and that, that's fun. But the real fun is when you're on stage working with the orchestra and putting it all together musically. It's just it's very exciting. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you're talking about this requires passion. It's not um, not your typical nine-to-five job. And with a nonprofit, speaking from experience, you don't usually get to stay in your quote-unquote assigned um, position. You usually have to put your hand in a little bit of everything. Like you mentioned, the marketing. You might have to 
get uh, information more about um, who's going to fill this spot, so-and-so called in sick, or uh, 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 maybe even the printing you know, of programs or something like that. And you find yourself in that position as well? Well, not really. So the two things that you mentioned, we actually have people to do those. <laughs> but, uh, but, but, you, but you bring up a good point. I'm, uh, so, so in my role, mine is more um, big picture. So, you know, I don't deal with the printing. And even the musicians, I'll just say who I want, but we have somebody who, who does all the hiring. Sure. Um, but, but that person might come back to me and say, hey, that person's not available. How would you feel about this person? So I make the final decisions, but I'm not doing the day-to-day calling. I'm more um, thinking already 22, 23, 23, 24. What are we going to play? <laughs> what, what, what's the tone of what we want to bring to the community? One of the things that I thought this year, uh, we opened in October officially, even though we have a bunch of concerts before October outside. Um, what, one of the things I thought is I want this to be a, a banner year for us. And people want to come out. People um, are ready to come back to the hall. I want this to be a year um, where we play big pieces that they want to hear, that they might recognize. No question about anything that's, well, maybe if we program this, maybe they'll like it. None of that. You know, just real solid programming. So we open with Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, which everyone loves and knows, and Rachmaninoff's Second Piano Concerto, which is so famous. And so, um, and I tell people, even if you don't know those titles that I just said, you will know the music when right. you're in the hall because it's very recognizable. And um, I just... Uh, I, I want it to be a very popular year, but not, you know, not gimmicky, not, okay, we're going to dumb down, none of that. You know, just let's play pieces where the orchestra's going to sound amazing, that we can just really kind of blow it out of the park. And that, that's really what I was thinking. And ticket sales are, are going very well so far. Um, I think we opened it up to our subscribers. And uh, so we're excited about the future. And so now I'm thinking 22, 23, and 23, 24. And also, you know, I like to collaborate. So who will we be working with? What kind of projects are we looking for that would be collaborative and maybe just, just bigger than just the CSO? So those kind of things are the, the, big, the big ideas are really what, what, what I work on. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, uh, one of the uh, collaborations. You're talking uh, with the upcoming, well, we'll start off with um, the uh, Classical Mystery Tour, Music of the Beatles. Now, that's on Sunday, September 5th. Why don't you go into uh, a little bit more detail on that? Yeah, so that concert's going to be at Cox Hall Gardens in Carmel. And I, um, when I, I used to work with the Indianapolis Symphony um, a long time ago. I was the associate conductor there, the number two. And um, I had I'd come up to Carmel for an event, and I remember going by Cox Hall Gardens and thinking how beautiful it was. And I've been in Carmel now as music director of the Carmel Symphony, uh, and then I, I moved up to artistic director, um, I've been been there probably, it's hard, it's hard to talk about because my first year, I only did a few concerts, and last year was last year. <laughs> uh, so I've been there about four years, but um, I always thought that, that that was such a beautiful place, and I always thought if we could ever do something together, it would be, I think it could be pretty sensational, and so we had like three or four meetings with their folks, and it's actually happening, and we all agreed that the Classical Mystery Tour, it was, it, it was what I suggested to them because it's a, it's a sure bet. Um, people love this concert. These four guys look and sound like the Beatles, and they're really great. <laughs> and I've done it before, and it's with orchestra, and it's very, you know, the music, as you know, since you have your Sunday show, it's for audiences of all ages. Mm-hmm. And it's it spans such a long period of time from when they were beatniks up, you know, through the White Albums and beyond. That is so extraordinary. And 
they're really just one of a kind, and they're they're just so special. And so, this concert kind of goes through time with them. Um, they start as young young kids, and it goes all the way through. And all the music is is their famous tunes. And so I said, you know, maybe we could do this together. So after several meetings, we decided we would co-produce this. We're both, um, uh, you know, putting money into to making this happen, and very excited about this first collaborative effort. And it's Labor Day weekend, so because it's a Sunday. Uh, people will have Monday off, and we just thought it was a great date to do it, and really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be quite successful. Now, this is going on, uh, this is a collaboration between uh, the CSO and Hamilton County Parks Department and the Box Hall, uh, I'm sorry, Cox Hall Gardens, and um, this is uh, the, well, have the, has uh, the CSO played at the Cox Hall Gardens before? No. So we've never played there. They've done concerts before, but not quite the size of, of this. This is going to be a big, big orchestra. Um, not the largest orchestra that we have. We have a really huge orchestra. When we do really, really uh, big pieces, we could have 80 or 90 people. Um, I think this is about 45. But, you know, that's all the, the concert calls for. So, um, but talk about Penny Lane. You know, we have to bring in a piccolo trumpet player for them, for mm -hmm. a specialized player. So... Uh, that was on their list, and um, so we're working on that now. But it's um, it's such a great show, and those the, the the orchestral parts for the Beatles were so just written with such care and such color and such detail, and that's what we'll be playing, and they're 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 wonderful. So I I love this concert. I've, I've as I said, I've done it before, and um, I have two older brothers, and they were a little bit more of that era. I was a little younger, but I still. You know, it doesn't really matter because I have kids now and they know the Beatles tunes. You know mm -hmm. them. You know, you all, everybody knows them. But they were sort of, they, I mean, they were a hot, really hot group when my, my brothers were, were younger. So, um, you know, there, and there are people that age, my brothers, that will come to this concert and just be, remember their childhood or their, their, their younger days. And it's, it's great. But for me, you know, they were, I was, a, I was super young. But, of course, you know, all the girls just love the Beatles. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were just... Uh, I don't know. I, I I love all kinds of music, and I listen to all kinds of music, but I think they just stand above everybody and always will in my mind. I of course the Rolling Stones, and, and you know we could go on and on and list all the great <laughs> bands, right, and groups and musicians. But there's something about the Beatles that that I think is just so elevated in in, in my heart and mind. And they they are. Uh, I, I think it's the 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 length of time they stayed together and the changes of music that they made. And how they grew, and uh, it's it's just it's it's almost like um, if you read a biography of somebody, or you read about Beethoven, who only wrote nine symphonies, but you learn about the man when you go from the first symphony to the ninth. You learn so much about him if you read books on that, and that's kind of what it's like with the Beatles. We learn so much about these young boys, and how they grew into adults, and you know the trials and tribulations of their life, and the drama and all that stuff. But but the music is just. It sustains, and right. it, it, it will never, it will always be like that. Yeah. And uh, it's just extraordinary. Now, your uh, new concert master, Zach DePew, he'll be uh, be there, and uh, I assume, and also uh, tell us a little bit about him. So Zach DePew was the concert master of the Indianapolis <clears throat> Orchestra for many years. Um, he started Time for Three. He's a uh, very natural musician, um, has three brothers who play. And music was a big part of his life growing up um, with his brothers. And he um, is such a laid-back, uh, incredible person 
and he brings a wealth of knowledge, but also a great attitude, great personality. And he's really into education. He loves to teach. He's teaching at Meridian Music now, and he's in the, uh, also in the Indianapolis uh, String Quartet. And when he left the ISO, he, um, he he also subs in the Philadelphia Orchestra and does different things in places in California for some festivals. But he decided to sort of refocus what he was doing, and uh, he subbed for us. Our concertmaster couldn't play a concert uh, last year, and he, he came and, and subbed for us. And then um, we had him play the, the solo for the Vivaldi Four Seasons uh, this season. And when our concertmaster got a job at the Omaha Symphony and wrote to me and said, I'm moving on, and that's been great, but, you know, this is what I need to do for my career. Of course, I was supportive. I thought, well, let's call Zach. You know, you never know, even though I thought it would be no. And he said yes. And we all were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we are thrilled to be working with Zach. Um, he and I are, are make great music together. I think we are very similar in our approach to, to music and to working with people. And I think he's going to bring more than just being a great concertmaster. I think he, in fact, we're, we're talking uh, right after this uh, meeting, we have a Zoom call. I think we're going to, you know, see what, what types of educational and outreach things we can put together. Because um, he's beloved by the community and people just um, adore his playing. So um, I think he's going to be a great asset to the Carmel Symphony. Well, that's great. Now, if folks want to uh, know more about the symphony or they want some ticket information, not only about Classical Mystery Tour, which uh, the music of the Beatles, which we want to remind everyone again, Sunday, September 5th is when that is, but um, uh, they want all that information, where can they go? So the best thing to do is to go to the carmelsymphony.org, C-A-R-M-E-L, symphony, S-Y-M-P-H-O-N-Y. Org. And everything should be on there. Our, our concerts, um, we're playing um, this summer also, in, um, which is going to be really fun. Uh, we're playing on uh, September, September 12th. We're playing at Cedar Creek Winery, which is going to be really fun mm-hmm. outdoors. And then October 3rd, we're playing at the Daniels Vineyard, um, which is going to be really fun. Mm-hmm. Those are the same concert, but we're playing them at two different wineries. I thought it would be really fun to do a little winery tour <laughs> and then um and those are fun because you bring your blanket you grab your wine you know you bring your salad and chicken and whatever and you can just lay out on your blanket and here and th- those are very light uh where we uh, leah crane who's a singer from the indianapolis area that has a great following she's going to join us and um sing some disney songs you know so we uh-huh. want you know families to come and kids to come we're playing I was watching the show Bridgerton, and I fell in love with some of this music, and so we had it arranged. We're going to play some of that. We're going to do a Guys and Dolls medley. You know, it's a real potpourri of music that is um, kind of light and fun, um, nothing too heavy. Yeah. And then we open in October 9th, and, you know, th- we've added a pop series, too, so we're doing a really fun uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire concert, which I cannot wait for. That's in February. And then in uh, January, we're bringing... Another colleague of mine, uh, Byron Stripling, who is a jazz trumpeter extraordinary, um, but also he's the principal pop conductor of the Pittsburgh Symphony, and he's going to, going to come and, and play with our orchestra, and um, he's just incredible. So, And then, of course, we have our, our holiday pops concert, but also we have all of our classical concerts, and we're bringing in the Harlem String Quartet this year. They're going to do a rendition of a West Side Story for String Quartet and Orchestra. Um, and we have a, a wonderful pianist, Martina Siljak, who's opening our season. 
And we're playing pieces. Uh, Scheherazade is a piece that people will recognize. Uh, Tchaikovsky, Romeo and Juliet. Where our February concert is going to be um, all about love. So all the music has to do about um, love of some sort. And that's going to be really fun. And if we've done anything like we've done in the past, we might have pre-concert parties that are theme-related, and they're pretty fun. Uh, we, when we had the Frank Sinatra concert, we did a Rat Pack party. People came from all walks of life wearing their skinny ties and drinking their martinis, and it was really fun. Um, but we also have a, a giant um, educational offering. For an orchestra our size, we do a lot for ed- of educational concerts just to, to get the little ones to hear the orchestra for the first time. And even not so much little ones, um, but also families and people who, who might, you know, again, be a little, have a little trepidation about coming to classical concerts. Um, these are, you know, introductory concerts for kids to learn about the orchestra, and those are always very, very popular, too. So and it's all on our website, and we just want people to, to know that while, yes, we're trained musicians, and, and we've been doing this probably since we were little children, because just to get the technique, you, you know, you can start any time, but when you play at a certain level, you've probably, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, started uh, when you were young just to get that technique. But even though we, we are kind of nerdy in that way, <laughs> <laughs> we are all real people with stories. And we have a lot to share on stage. And we play with great enthusiasm and passion. And we just ask that people come to hear us because we we are playing for our communities. And we want people to recognize that we don't, you know, we don't just get up there and, and and play for ourselves and think, well, this is classical music and we're so great at it and this is just for us. <laughs> no, this is where we're opening our hearts and playing for, for our audience. And so we just invite people to come in and give that a, a try because we think it's infectious and it's proven pretty good so far. So uh, really, you know, just want to get people out and, and just come and hear us for the first time and, and, and let us know what you think. You know, if, if you have feelings about it or you, what you loved and, or maybe didn't like um, because that's how we can always be better. And... Um, so we're just excited about this year. I think it's gonna, it's so varied. You know, we have so much different kinds of music programmed for everybody. So just <clears throat> just can't wait for, for people to come out and share it with us. Okay. All right. Well, uh, once again, why don't you give that uh, website? CarmelSymphony.org. Okay, and all that information is there, but if you happen to have missed it, you can always give us a call at the radio station, 317-852-1610. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to get you in touch with Jana, and she's going to help you out ASAP, right? That's it. Okay, Jana, thanks for being our guest today. And now it is time for our nonprofit spotlight, but first we must thank our underwriter on that. It is the Hendricks County Republican newspaper. Don't go away. Finding out what your town council, school board, or county commissioners are up to can be accomplished with a Republican newspaper in Danville. Started in 1847, they've been providing local news, sports, features, and more. Subscribing to the paper is possible by calling 317-745-2777, and they can be followed on Facebook by searching for The Republican. Well, like I told you, here he is on the phone with me. I have Mr. William Roadhamel of the Hendricks County Community Foundation. How's William today? 
Shane, I am well. Thanks for having me today. So glad that you had time to join us. I do appreciate that. And of course, as always, I tell people, uh, even if they are return guests like you are, uh, we get new listeners all the time. So give us your elevator speech, so to speak, of what is the Hendricks County Community Foundation. Absolutely. Thanks, Shane. The Hendricks County Community Foundation is an independent nonprofit organization centered here in Hendricks County that our mission is basically just to make Hendricks County a better place. We do that by working with generous people who give us funds that then we grant out to other nonprofit programs and uh, projects and organizations to make the community a better place. So we're a funding organization that funds those important nonprofits that are doing work on the ground with uh, with issues that make our community better each day. Yeah. And, and uh, I have said it before, I'll say it again, WYRZ is the recipient of uh, some of those uh, grants and, uh, like you said, help when uh, when it was needed at one time or another. So the nonprofits really appreciate that. And, you know, uh, it wasn't too long ago that uh, the foundation started uh, making uh, ways for these grants to be easier accomplished. If that's, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but uh, uh, it seems like uh, that um, there might have been a few more papers to fill out in order to apply for a grant, and now it seems like it's gotten a lot easier. Uh, what was, uh, well, first off, you can bring people up to speed on how that happened and what the reasons for it was. Well, absolutely. It, it, it's a recognition that um, we do have those important organizations doing great work here in our community, and we want to make it as as easy and as equitable for those organizations to apply for our funding. Uh, in 2020, we gave $1.7 million worth of grants, and we were in a very unusual situation with the pandemic and recognized that it was incumbent upon the Community Foundation to get that money out into the community to help our neighbors who were hurting and who were affected by the pandemic. So we really did loosen up our grant-making uh, uh, procedures and, and make it easier for folks to apply uh, so that the, those dollars were getting to work in our community right away. Let's remind uh, the nonprofits that are out there listening because I know they're the ones who are going to have their ear on this conversation. What are some of the things that uh, you find are probably most requested for as far as grants go? Well, it's fairly clear, Shane, that, that the greatest needs in our community are for health and human service organizations. Um, we've supported a wide range of those those groups that are working, uh, helping people with, with those basic needs, whether it's Family Promise of Hendricks County, the Food Pantry Coalition overseeing the food pantries throughout our community, uh, sheltering wings, senior services, organizations like that that are really making an impact on those health and human service needs. But the Community Foundation funds a wide range of projects and programs benefiting Hendricks County, including all those uh, as well as uh, youth, parks and recreation, education, arts and entertainment, community enhancement writ large, and important things like like nonprofit media organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but uh, uh, if folks uh, are in that position, uh, that uh, are nonprofits that are in that position, 
Uh, it's real easy to, to talk to any of you guys, uh, any of you folks, I should say. And it's, you've had a pretty consistent staff with, uh, with, uh, with, with the folks there at the Community Foundation. Uh, you, would you like to talk about some of them? Absolutely. You know, I'm blessed to work with a great team here at the Community Foundation. You're exactly right. We've all been together since uh, since 2012, so we've been here for nine years as a team. Our key team really is myself, um, and then our vice president of programs, Eric Hessel, who's actually the longest tenured of our our staff members. He's been with the Community Foundation now for 12 years and actually started as a volunteer with the Community Foundation 17 years ago. And then Frances Mock, who does our communications and finances. She's our director of communications and finances. And uh, it's it's really a great team, and we do have a, a wealth of institutional knowledge. And, and I encourage... Uh, folks who are interested in finding out more about the Community Foundation or more about grants from the Community Foundation to reach out to to our staff and, and find out more. I will point out that we don't do any individual grant making, so we do not do individual support. We're supporting those nonprofits that are helping individuals in, in difficult situations, but we don't do any of that individual support in the way that some of those other organizations. Right. Yeah, you have to be uh, recognized by uh, the the government, so to speak, the state and uh, possibly uh, the federal government in some cases that you are a nonprofit, a certified nonprofit or whatever. However, there might be times when an individual says, hey, I have this problem. Um, can can you direct me to a nonprofit or someone who can help me out? It may be somebody who needs uh, something, uh, maybe a little extra food on their table when the holidays are coming or something like that. You guys are always glad to help out. No question about that. We can act, even if, if it's not a situation where we can help directly, we can act as that connector or collaborator to help folks find those resources in the community that they may, may need for, for that individual help. And for the nonprofits, it's very easy to uh, to apply for grants. Uh, I, I encourage folks to, to call and find out about eligibility, but uh, the applications are on our website, and, and they're, uh, as you point out, we've simplified them over the last couple of years, and it's, uh, it's quite easy for nonprofits just to get onto our website and log on and put, it, put an application together. Also, you guys uh, have the uh, plenty of uh, opportunities for volunteers, whether it's on a board or in other areas. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we. It, it's interesting. We don't have the sort of volunteer opportunities that some of the nonprofits do because we don't do that direct work with with uh, individual projects or programs, but we do have opportunities for people to get involved with the Community Foundation, sit on one of our committees, and uh, obviously we have a board made up uh, of independent individuals who are connected to Hendricks County. We try to be very representative of the county, so there are all sorts of opportunities to engage with the Community Foundation at various levels. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned how long uh, your team has been together and Eric has been there, who, who's been on the station several times, uh, that's been there probably the longest. But you guys are coming up on a special, or, you, or you're in the midst of a special anniversary right now. We absolutely are. We're in the midst of our 25th anniversary as a countywide organization. Um, we were uh, chartered as the White Lick 
Heritage Community Foundation in 1996, and that grew out of the earlier Greater Plainfield Community Foundation, which was just focused on Plainfield. But in, in 1996, our then board recognized that we really had the need to be a countywide organization. And so they, uh, in January of that year, they voted to make us a countywide organization. So this year we are celebrating our 25th anniversary. And we've been doing a lot of celebratory uh, activities. We're, we're not having a big gala or anything like that, but we are reaching out with some special grants into the community. Uh, often uh, we're uh, following up with grants that we actually made in 1996. So we're making grants to the same or similar organizations as, as a celebration. And then we'll also be making presentations to each of our four uh, county chambers, Avon, Danville, Brownsburg, and Plainfield in November, uh, and, and doing some celebrations at those those uh, those meetings as well. So it's it's really an exciting time, and it's a recognition that that we're really standing on the work of a number of caring people in our community who've done such great work getting the Community Foundation to where we are. In 1996, we, we closed out that year with assets of about $200,000. We now have over $21 million in assets. And in 1996, we made grants totaling about $60,000. And as I mentioned, last year we, we made grants of over $1.7 million. So we're really building on the great work that volunteers and staff members have, have put together over the last 25 years. Yeah. Boy, that is great. That's great news. Great, great figures there. Now, uh, as far as uh, outside of what you plan on doing with the chambers for the rest of the year, is there anything that we can uh, expect uh, to hear from the foundation for uh, for maybe the next six to twelve months, whether it be when the holidays come around or some other programs? Well, Shane, certainly we uh, we recognize that last year was unprecedented. Yeah. And we had just gone through, and I know you and I have talked about this, our needs assessment in 2019, which was part of a grant that we received from Lilly Endowment to step into new roles in, in our community. And we did a survey of the community to understand what everyone saw the needs, the most pressing needs in our community as, and, and published that report, which can also be found at our website at HendricksCountyCF.org. That's Hendricks County cf.org and and our needs assessment really pointed the way to the work that we need to be doing over the next five years so we'll be doing a few um, collaborative meetings later in the year um, and I knock on wood hoping that uh, that the Delta variant and other COVID issues don't prevent us from coming together as a community to talk about some of those important needs that were identified. Yeah. But we also uh, had the opportunity to apply for a second grant from Lilly Endowment. And we're really working and focusing for the next few years on increasing community unity because that was one of the clear um, takeaways from our needs assessment was that the community really needed to feel more unified. And so we're, we're going to be working on that over the next few years, and, and uh, you'll be hearing more about that as we, as we move forward. Okay. Now, once again, let's remind everyone, if, uh, if they have more questions, they might be able to go to the website, but they might also want to call you. What is that contact information? Absolutely. You can call our offices at 317 268 
317-268-6240. Again, that's 317-268-6240. And our website is Hendricks County CF, as in Community Foundation, Hendricks County CF.org. All right. William Roadhamel with the uh, Hendricks County Community Foundation. Uh, if you miss any information, always give us a call here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to get you in touch with William or Eric or someone at the foundation, and they're going to help you out ASAP, right? That's exactly right. All right, William. Thanks for being our guest today. You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Shane Ray. 